All right, and welcome back to another episode of Rewind and Reconsider, the podcast where we rewind our favorite childhood movies and reconsider them. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan. I'm joined by my lovely fiance and co-host, Mia Graviador, and we are going to go and watch uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens for this episode. And this movie is the seventh in the Star Wars proper anthology. It is also the ninth Star Wars movie made, if we are not counting the holiday special. And We're never counting the holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> and it is the first of a new trilogy uh, when Disney bought the saga from George Lucas and basically not rebooted it, but like decided to follow up on it with a new set of sequels set like multiple decades after the uh, after the return of the Jedi. So yeah, actually, none of the thing about it, this is the first time that Disney is having its hands on the franchise. Yeah, so like we already watched a couple of the Disney Star Wars movies because we did we went chronologically on this in yeah. the timeline. So we watched Rogue One, we watched um uh Solo, but this was the first yeah, this was the first one that Disney got its hands on and I remember I literally cried when the trailer oh came out. Oh my god, like really? This. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was a big deal. I remember first hearing the the news about Disney acquiring Lucasfilms and having, you know, control over the Star Wars franchise and people were really pissed about it. I, I remember that. You were mad too? Yes, I was mad because I had read so many of those expanded universe stories and I felt like an entire part of my childhood was now being said to like not matter. Uh-huh. And it just felt like a waste of time. Yeah. I think at that point when the news came out, I wasn't really that into Star Wars and I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. I don't know why people are mad. But. And also, I don't remember exactly when that got announced, but I don't think that I was like totally on the Disney does a good job on everything train yet because like I think Marvel they had only just started to do stuff with and um I, I'm not I'm not sure that I had faith that they were gonna nail Star Wars but then I remember watching that first trailer and I was like oh we're back we're back yeah, this is, that, this tra- is... That, that first trailer was really a big deal for a lot of people yeah I think I remember like that was the first time there's a there's just like a quick shot of BB-8 rolling by and that's when everyone like just lost their minds over BB-8 for the first time and I remember online seeing that someone not even having watched the movie the movie's not even out yet already got a BB-8 tattoo okay that's insane yeah I was like dude if this movie doesn't isn't good like you're screwed <laughs> no i remember pulling this up and chromecasting the trailer to watch with my dad on tv because he was so excited to see like the return of everything no, for the first a, time as well it was a really powerful trailer i mean you have the music in the back and like it just it really takes you back and i can see why people were so excited and then when the movie came out everyone was divided <laughs> no i don't think people were that divided i think most people liked this i think movie. most people this liked movie it. was pretty universally well received yeah but i think a lot of other people were kind of upset that it was just a rehash of a new hope it is that is mostly what i remember about it is that it's basically a microwaved and lightly restirred new hope yeah but like i feel like for a newer generation to see that like oh i mean and if it if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if there's one criticism of the the these movies, it's basically that this trilogy essentially almost mirrors the story arcs in broad strokes of the original trilogy. And it's a little bit unoriginal in some ways. But I, I remember really liking this movie when it came out. Me I'm too. actually excited to rewatch it now, knowing what's going to happen and be looking for some of the setup stuff for the yeah. things that happen later. No, yeah, I definitely saw this, I think, three times in theaters. 
I believe I saw it twice in theaters. I think once with once with my friends and once with my parents. Yeah, I brought my parents too. My dad really liked it. My mom didn't. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see what we think about it upon rewatch. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this one. I know. I'm actually really excited because I remember this is the first Star Wars movie I actually really liked. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Take us to light speed, Chewie. <laughs> watch the force awakens and before we get into the nitty-gritty harrison is going to do our 60 second summary in which he tries to summarize this entire movie in 60 seconds are you ready yeah i think i'm gonna get it down this time okay all right in three two one go all right so we start off with an establishing shot of a giant ship over a planet and then the first hero we meet sends off something critical with the droid who meets a force user that doesn't know they have powers yet on a desert planet and tells them they have to find a jedi an older Jedi, maybe one of the last of them. A stormtrooper then removes his helmet to tell someone that he's there to rescue them. Someone introduces the Millennium Falcon by calling it garbage. A villain establishes their unstable nature by force choking a subordinate, and then later strikes down their defensive father, fi- their defenseless father figure in a one-on-one showdown. A strong female character also gets captured on a death battle station of doom, and the movie ends with a hero piloting an X-Wing down a trench to destroy that battle station after a last-minute assist from Han and Chewbacca while Leia waits in a, cor- a countdown strategy room. And then uh, it finally wraps up on a scene of a silent Luke Skywalker being presented with something. I know what you were trying to get to. Yeah. I know what you were trying to do. This movie is the iPod shuffle version of A New Hope. <laughs> That's why you said you wanted to do the 60 seconds. Yeah, it is. You fought for this because you wanted to make a point. Yeah, I did. Uh, There are a striking amount of similarities. It is basically a copy-paste but add things. You know, I like that meme where it's all like, hey, could I copy off your homework? Okay, but don't make it obvious. Yes, they made it very obvious. Yeah, I mean, and so on one level... I don't want to be among, like, the people that are, like, destroying the movie for that. Because I still think that it was an enjoyable movie. I just wanted to make that point right off the bat. Yes, but um, I, I feel like... I feel like what they were trying to do was reboot it. almost, Like, reboot the movie while also making it a sequel. But introduce a new, younger generation. Because you gotta remember, like, all of us, yeah, like, we grew up with Star Wars a little bit. But the original audience of Star Wars, like... They're old now. Yeah. Like, that was in the 70s. Yeah. And I said, like, all of our middle-aged audience just, like, clench their fists and are furious at me. <laughs> um, but no, like, I, kids today, like, don't may not necessarily get what the big deal about Star Wars is. And I think that this movie was an attempt to kind of take what made the original one special and bring it in for a new audience while also giving, you know, the diehard fans the sequel that they had been wanting. And I kind of think that it reached that balance pretty well. I think so, too. Honestly, I know a lot of people were upset because they were saying, oh, but this is just a new hope just done over again. But then again, once you go into The Last Jedi where it does everything different, then people are still pissed. It's like you can't win with anyone. Well, no, I think, and, and this is something I think we've alluded, I may, I think I've said it on other pods in this series but if i so if i have then forgive me but like i feel like star wars you know it's not public domain as in no one can just make their own star wars movie but it's been in the public domain of thought for so long so people think they own it everyone feels like they know star wars like no one like they feel like they can tell filmmakers i know this movie better than you and like that's a unique situation for people that are coming in and trying to make these new movies to be put in yeah um 
I, I thought the movie was mostly good. I would actually like you to do a serious 60-second summary, just really quick. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and just summarize the actual plot of this movie before we get into the good, bad, and the ugly. I No, I think you pretty much summarized it. You did. Okay. You did. Be, and also, I'm not prepared, and I will stumble through it, and I don't want to make a fool of myself, so... <laughs> Those are the best ones! No, they're not. I'm okay. Um, So, let's get what into... What did you like about this movie, then? I... I remember first seeing, I've seen this movie a lot of times, and I still enjoyed it, and I think it it does have kind of remnants of A New Hope, but it does breathe a fresh of breath air. A, a breath of fresh air. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> into the story, and I think the new characters are really interesting. I mean, we start with, I mean, Finn, no, we start with Poe. Who is this, like, flyboy, basically. I mean, that's what he's called. In the he's next New one. Han. Yeah, he's New Han. But he has this more more charming and more likable likability to him. He's not, like, a baddish guy, but he's just kind of like this guy you would definitely want to get a beer with. You think he's more likable than Han Solo? Hell yes. Yeah, I, I think he's more. I he's disagree. less of an asshole. He's more of a go-getter. He's like, I'm going to do this. He, he has hope in the rebellion. Like, he's he's doing something because he believes in something. With the Han, he just did it for himself. Like, I feel like Poe is a very selfless kind of person because he wants to watch the Resistance win because he's part of the Resistance. Okay. You disagree? Fair no, point. counterpoint. Tell me, why don't you like Poe? It's not that I don't like him. I, I just think that it's like, it, it's kind of insane to argue that someone is more charismatic and likable than Harrison Ford is the original Han Solo. I think You even see him come back in this movie and just own every single scene that he's in, despite like probably not really wanting to do this movie that much, given what he had said about Star Wars in the intervening years between, you know, re uh, like retaking this part and finishing up Return of the Jedi. Like, well... I think the way he interact Poe interacts with Finn when you first meet him, I think it's like I think the chemistry is great. Like they they right off the bat they really click with each other because one it's out of survival and two they genuinely like each other. Yeah. Did you get that feeling at all? I like, I thought they had pretty good chemistry right off the bat. I do think that like there were you know, some corny lines like and there was some corniness overall in this movie, but we can get into that later. Um I I, what I really liked about this movie, I you can go ahead and keep talking about the main characters if you want. No, but what do you like? No, no, I think that because uh, okay, so let's stick with that. Um, I thought like I thought Kylo Ren was honestly uh one of the most interesting villains. He or at least he started out as one of the most interesting villains <laughs> that Star Wars I think has ever given us. Yeah, um, I like the complexity of him and thinking that. Oh, well, I guess it's kind of like he kind of mirrors Darth Vader where he was grown up to be good but then he turns to the dark side basically right but i think because he's so young he's it's, more it's almost like ask the ask and answer the question of like what if angsty anakin from attack of the clones had exactly just been given sith lord you know no no, no. I, I see kylo like... ren as like the ultimate fanboy he took his obsession with vader and just upped it like by like 110 percent, and that's basically his character <laughs> yeah a little bit and like i also think like he clearly is struggling with this like he goes and he talks to this like, like i mean number one there's definitely something up in his head because he's going and talking to this burnt up darth vader helmet from presumably 
recovered I, yeah, from Endor I have no or something. Idea where he, he got that helmet. Yeah, he's got he's got the marshmallow roasted the marshmallow roasted too long Darth Vader helmet in his uh in his you know chambers and whatever, and he's talking to it and saying, I don't know if I have the strength to finish what you started. I'm tempted back towards the light. Like he's clearly struggling with these choices. I actually think, like, just to get to the big scene of the movie, when him and Harrison Ford are going back and forth about, like, like Han Solo's trying to get him to come back and come back to the Resistance and, no, we can bring you back. I just want my son back. I want to bring you home. Like, come home to me and your mom. We miss you. And, like, I think that he genuinely... It, the way that I watch that scene on, like, third or fourth watch now or whatever watch this is for me is that, like, I think he genuinely was considering going back and rejoining them, but then he saw the light go out in the sky, and, meaning that the super weapon thing was fully charged, and it reminded him of, like, oh, these people are about to lose, and... I'm gonna be on the losing side. Yeah, like, I'm not just gonna go back just to die, and, like, survival instinct almost kicked in, and you know, somewhat led to his decision to kill Han. That does not justify it. This is not me attempting to justify it. Yeah, but I feel like... I'm just saying I think that that was his character motivation. And you see him struggle with this throughout this new saga. Yeah, but, like, how do people, like, think it's... It's like, oh, we forgive you. It's okay. I don't... Like, I don't understand how you can forgive someone for killing their own parent for Mm. no apparent reason. Well, I think the... Okay, we can get into this on the on the Rise of Skywalker pod. We'll we'll touch on that, like and where his arc ends then. Um, but uh, like, it's easy to see why people were so intrigued with where his journey would go just from watching this movie. I think Adam Driver basically steals every scene he's in, even when he's under a mask. Like they did a really good job making the voice sound cool and interesting from the mask that he uses for no, no reason, it's, it's so, just because yeah. he's a Darth Vader fanboy. It's boy. so funny when like you first see him, you know it's Adam Driver obviously, but when you're first seeing him, he's always in a helmet, you don't know what he looks like. So then, in the scene where he's interrogating Rey, um, on the Death Star 2.0? Yeah, I believe it's called Starkiller Base. Oh god, okay, Starkiller Base, um, um, Star Command, um, (laughs) he takes off his mask, and it's like, it's so, like, jarring to see someone, like, that young, and, like, that relatively good looking to be underneath like this such heinous kind of type of person it's almost like I don't know to me it was kind of like oh this is kind of jarring to me was that did you feel wow so you're appearances do you think that (laughs) people who are good looking can't be bad people okay but to be fair when he took off his helmet his hair was flawless I don't know how he does it is it the force that keeps it up when he's having his helmet on maybe it's Maybelline maybe it's Maybelline (laughs) but um yeah I think it's just really it shows how young he is and like how he's getting into this kind of situation but he really doesn't know what to do because he's like he seems so misguided yeah like and he seems to be someone who is desperately kind of searching for belonging and like as we later find out in the last jedi like he had good reason to mistrust the jedi and kind of turn on the resistance luke or luke briefly contemplated killing him at one point and you kind of learn why he went dark and why he might be so confused about his place in the universe well and and then again you don't really know how he was brought up by his parents because in this movie Han, uh, Han and Leia are separated but we don't know if they were separated to begin with or they were separated because of their son. They kind of imply that they're separated after he leaves. Like that yeah, they but, like, sent him away and that like like Han felt like Leia couldn't look at him anymore because she saw Ben and that he had to go back to the one thing he was ever good at. I guess but like coming off of like their relationship in general like it's kind of I don't know that 
I don't think he was in the best environment because I don't think there was the healthiest relationship between Han and Leia. Do you agree with that or? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily, I, I, my read on it was not the lack of health of the relationship. My read on it was it is hard to be the son of the two like biggest superstars in the galaxy That's basically true. but and be the nephew you're the you're the nephew of the last jedi who is like re- trying to retrain the entire order and you're the daughter of the only remaining princess of alder or you're the son of the only <laughs> remaining princess of alderon and like it's the smuggler war hero like that's a lot of pressure to live it's up true. to and we've seen throughout like that's human history that like the the sons and daughters of powerful successful people do not always want end up being powerful and successful and sometimes wilt under that pressure and like maybe they have natural promise but have a hard time living up to because they have those expectations from their parents they're like oh you're gonna be even better or the same and it's like sometimes that's not what they want sometimes you're just different so yeah maybe that kind of contributes to how he turns out as well but i think the whole he just seems so unhinged and like it's just a different type of villain than we've ever seen in Star Wars like a, a much more human version it, it because, is it is like in like you know the prequels did not do a good job of painting Anakin in an incredibly nuanced light uh where I think like I think there was a nuanced story to be told there yeah, of someone but with very human motivations to go to the dark was, side it the was way just, he was like portrayed it's like everyone was like yeah no fuck this guy <laughs> yeah it was like it was not they didn't execute it that well. And then obviously the villains in the original trilogy are almost of the mustache twirling variety of yeah. like, oh, we are going to do evil and destroy things because dark side. Yeah. And like it, the original trilogy was very black and white. This is like the most human I think we've ever seen a villain painted in the Star Wars universe. And that like this is someone that just is like looking for their place in the world. And again, it doesn't justify all the horrible things that he did, but you can watch the movie and just see some Someone who does not seem like they're evil just for the sake of being evil. They seem like they're evil because they're try- they think it's where they belong and they're trying to fit in somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But switching gears to... Let's, let's talk about the other two new characters. I know. Switching gears Ray, to the light t- side. Take it away to Ray. So with Ray, I really enjoyed her character introduction. It's like a whole, I want to say 15, 20 minute introduction to her character. and Much of which is silent. Yeah, which is actually really interesting to have, you know, it was just focused on her. A very restrained directorial choice from a director not always known for their restraint. <laughs> yes, but I think it really... It really worked. It really works, and um, Daisy Ridley does a really good job on playing this, She's like, incredible. This, like, amazing character who has so much hope in her, and you could see that because she has all these hardships. She's a scavenger, and they show her trying to, like, live her daily life, and she's waiting for something. And, you know, I guess she's the mirror of Luke, basically, right? Yeah. But I think to have her be that kind of character, I think, is really interesting. Where am I trying to go here? She's so likable and easy to root for, I think, just right from the beginning, because you see her as someone who's struggling, but someone who, like, undoubtedly is like in the in much the same way that Kylo slash Ben is is looking for their place in the universe and wants to be a part of something greater and is just going about it in a much nicer way and is a much like I think more well-meaning and better person yeah and you see that and like she hears BB-8 struggling she doesn't know this droid from anything and just runs out and immediately rescues him and is like no that's not yours you can't just like he is trying to go do his own thing don't yeah but she was telling him she's like all right you can go now and then BB-8's like but I don't want to. And she's like, all right, well, you can stay one night, but like, and she's kind of thrown into this 
resistance in because she's not Conflict, really a yeah. part of it. But she immediately wants to jump in. Well, because she wants to she, leave so bad. Well, and also, not just leave, but you see her in that intro, she's wearing the rebel helmet. Like, as she go, like as she's getting ready to go to bed. Like, she's uh, she talks with the reverence, uh, with reverence about Luke Skywalker, wasn't even sure he was real, thought he was, like, some, you know, mythological hero. Oh my god, you're the Han Solo, like, type yeah, thing. Yeah, so she's heard stories about it, but and she, it's, like, myth to her, basically. These stories are all she has, and so, like, when she's actually meeting these people, she's very, like, she's as awestruck as anyone in the audience would be, and it makes her instantly endearing, because she's almost like a Star Wars fan that is in the universe of Star Wars, and, and it's in a genuine way, and they somehow pull it off without being obnoxious, and, and too meta, which I think was probably a hard balance to yeah. strike, and I think Abrams and Ridley deserve a lot of credit for that. In well, the and then team. also, I know a lot of people were mad because she was piloting they 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 finally see the millennium falcon right and they're about to escape from her and finn um are about to escape from jakku and like i know a lot of people were mad because they're like oh how can she know how to fly this like how does she know all this technological stuff but she's a scavenger and it makes sense to her character to n- be familiar with like well, you taking a deep breath am i going somewhere no no, no you're good. okay <laughs> i was just breathing um i thought you were gonna go with a counterpoint but it makes sense to her character because she's around all these like this junkyard stuff um, and she knows how she knows how things work. She puts together things to, on her own. The other part of that, as we learn later as the movie goes on, is that she is an extremely powerful force sensitive. Like, and as naturally gifted as maybe anyone we've ever seen on screen in Star Wars, except for yeah. Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> and like, so the whole her pot, like, okay, first of all, some suspension of disbelief is necessary for these movies. Yeah. And also, like, we see her. Sure, we see her piloting the Falcon when we don't know that she's force sensitive yet. But, like, it's been shown, like, Force sensitives are great pilots because they have, like, an ability to sense danger and all of this stuff. Like, they basically have a spidey sense kind of thing and some level of, like, future sight. So they can, like, pull off these insane stunts like we see Anakin pull off throughout the Clone Wars and things like that. Or Luke when he's doing doing the Death Star Yeah, when he turns off his targeting computer. Is something wrong? Um, (laughs) And so we see her do that. But then we also see her when she gets captured by... First, she's, like, the only person that we see able to resist Kylo Ren and able to scare him a little bit because she sees back into his mind with no training whatsoever. She pulls off a Jedi yeah. mind trick with no training whatsoever. It's like raw, basically raw, untouched power that she has. And fights Kylo Ren not just to a standstill. I mean, albeit he was injured by Chewbacca's revenge shot after he <laughs> killed Han Solo that he felt the need to pound on for whatever reason. Yeah. My guess is that in a lot of the expanded universe stuff, they talk about how the dark side is fueled by pain. That's what I thought, And he was trying too. to draw on that pain by making it even more yeah. painful to give himself more dark side energy. Um, but she not fought him not just to a standstill. She was probably going to win, and then the planet started to split apart. And that was with no training whatsoever. She had never used a lightsaber before. Yeah, um, and I can see how people are a little bit upset with it, because it's like, you know, Luke was also a powerful force user, but he couldn't even lift uh an an x-wing out not to draw from another movie too soon but we see her literally stop a like a starship with her hands and uh, with her bear with her hand and blow it up and ride skywalker she's more naturally talented than yeah i i I get that but i think it's because she she has less self-doubt in herself i think and that's what makes her powerful i think she's confident in herself to know that she's like you know what like i have this power and I can use it. And I think Luke just had too much self-doubt in himself. You know or maybe I mean? maybe it's her genes. 
We'll get to that later. Um, let, let's talk about Finn a little bit, and then I want to talk about just the overall world that Abrams built out, like, around these characters. But go ahead. Um. So, yeah, so we start with Finn. He is a stormtrooper, and that really goes into, which is something that they don't really go into into the other movies, where it's, Finn is someone who's taken from his family and basically forced into being a stormtrooper, and that's how they have stormtroopers. Now they're no longer clone troopers, right? Am yeah, I- by the original trilogy, they were no longer clones, or there were very few clones, because yeah. the Camino and cloning facilities were destroyed during the Clone Wars, and, or at least taken out of commission at, on large-scale stuff. So, like, yeah, they didn't really have clones, you know, that that many of them. So it was eventually like a draft, and we see with the First Order, they're just straight-up kidnapping babies and turning them into stormtroopers. Yeah, um, anyway, so he basically decides, I don't want to do this anymore. But it's kind of weird how he's... Well, in this movie, he's pretty secretly the only person that does this, where he kind of deflects. Defects. Whatever. Deflects um, from his stormtrooperness, I guess. <laughs> and he just wants to get away. But Yeah, they, they he sees one of his presumably friends or another stormtrooper die, leave a bloody handprint on him, and he, so he's That's already kind of like shell-shocked. Like, oh, but they did say this was his first time going out. Yeah, this was his first time in the field, and then he's asked to execute a bunch of civilians. And For no he reason. won't fire his gun, and he's just kind of like, okay, I'm not about this life. Yeah. Uh, and you, but I wonder, I want to know what thought process got him to that point. Like, he did all this training. He must have known this was going to happen. Like, why? Maybe it's because it's real life, and he's like, oh, shit, this is actually Well, happening. and it's also, like, in the training, they probably don't tell you, hey, you're going to go kill civilians, and also your friends are going to die in front of you. They're like, we're the First Order, and we are the most powerful army in the galaxy, and da 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 Well, they, they don't really have much of a choice, so they're yeah. not going to tell him that, I guess. Um... So he decides to free Poe, who got captured by the First Order. And I guess because he needs a pilot, basically? Yeah. Why did he... He freed him because he needed a pilot to get off the ship. So it wasn't anything like, hey, I feel bad for this guy. It's no. Like, no. You, it, it you was, need to come It me. was part of his character that they established, and then this continues on to The Last Jedi, and that he's very self-interested. And, like, he wants to... He's almost like... Han Solo in the sense that he wants to it's do... It's all for himself. It's for himself, but he also has this instinct to do the right thing as well. Like, he's a good guy, but sometimes he does it not for self-motivated reasons, or he wants to do things just for himself. Yeah, because, you know, Poe was like, oh, we're going to back, back to Jakku, and, and he's like, no, we're leaving, like, we need to get out of here, and Poe's like, no, we have to go, like, save my droid, it's there, and he didn't want to go in the first place, and then when he meets Rey, he's like, uh, yeah, I'm part of the Resistance, but he says that just so she can go along with him, so he can get out of there, basically. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting character to have, you know. It's a very interesting start to a character arc, which is a theme throughout this movie. All of these characters are, like, to Abrams' credit, I, he's going to get a lot of flack for the Rise of Skywalker, including probably from this podcast. But, like, <laughs> and, and he did create a very interesting world filled with, in, like, intriguing characters. Yeah, it was a with good start. backstories that I wanted, to, that you want to learn more about and you want to see where they ultimately end up yeah. throughout the other two movies. Especially with Ray not knowing who her parents are obviously she's a special type of person she has the force and you want to know who her parents are and that's a big I mystery honestly you was not super interested in that. i was <laughs> that was not what i cared about like what did be, you care about then? i i think i cared more about this world that was established and i think this was another one of the strengths of the job that they did of like this movie is interesting in that like we all watch return of the jedi and it's like oh they won everyone's celebrating on every planet and uh you know the war's over and whatever no, it's and not. this movie says like look 
like they yeah they destroyed the death star they beat the emperor but there are still all these people that followed him there's mm-hmm. still all this stuff and you that d- type of mindset and that type of fascist person as we see very ham-handedly in the scene on star killer base where star commander yeah where the what's his name Gen- general hux is basically yelling like an old world war ii hitler speech it's like even shot like that too yes. it has the big big red flag with the first and order he's literally symbol. like screaming at and the I think at some lung, point, like, like, all the stormtroopers, like, raise their fist in the air. They, no, they literally all raise their hands in, the, in a white power gesture. Like, as if this could not get <laughs> more clear what they were trying to allude yeah. to the First Order yeah. as being. And it just, like, it paints a picture of, like, look, like, our parents also thought that they had won all these wars against the evil side. And it starts this it's new trilogy over. where things are not quite that simple. Like, yeah. there's still bad in the world and in this case in the galaxy that is not and it's not as simple as good versus evil mm-hmm. all the time yeah um and i think that it sets up like an interesting world of like you know yeah you just defeated the big bad the biggest threat to you know the galaxy but there are still not great people out there and they're going to rebuild and you have to like continue to fight against evil wherever you find it mm-hmm. and it's not all like done you're not done it's never done basically yeah um yeah no i found that interesting too i how did you like um the storyline on like basically trying to get the map to skywalker and it was a little bit of like a it felt like a weird use of resources at a time like they were very concerned about this at a time when the other like uh when the first order had discovered the capability to just level multiple planets yeah i don't the, the thing is is i don't understand it's like i at that point, just you need to deal with whatever the fuck and they to have. be fair, they did, but they also were like, "Oh, we, we still gotta need to find Luke." Yeah, so, we gotta find Luke. It, it, obviously, he's gone for a reason. Like, you need to. I feel like they needed to get over that. He left because of something. He basically Yoda himself. He is Yoda. Yeah, essentially, yeah, he is Yoda. Yoda. Trilogy, yeah. yeah, and like, I don't know. I don't understand why people wanted to go find him. And it's fun. That's a funny juxtaposition when cast against how clearly weirded out Luke was by Yoda and all of his choices in the original trilogy. And then that he, he, we do all basically become our teachers and our parents. And Yoda was almost like a surrogate type parent to him on in some ways. Yeah, I guess so. But I just don't understand why there was a huge need to go find him. He doesn't. I mean, does I think he have the were, answers or something. Or? I guess they were looking for someone to help them get hope back, and that's like a big theme of the next movie. I guess, well. but like you have Leia, who is like such an incredible general, and she has she is she clearly is basically a Jedi, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, it clearly wasn't enough. <laughs> I just I don't understand. But um, like the going back, some of the repetitiveness was cool, but like also just I mean, how many planet killing bases do we need and the whole like all those planets were like right next to each other Uh, and you could see them blowing up from everywhere in the galaxy it's like i feel like there would have been better ways that didn't seem as ridiculous to like show all of that yeah it's basically a xerox copy of the death star yeah and like and the way they defeated it too is kind of uh... yeah it was like literally almost the same strategy of like we got to throw a bunch of x-wings at this one spot and try and yeah well, what I liked about this movie is that it did have some callbacks to the old movies, but it wasn't so in your face. It was just kind of like a natural kind of like, oh, it's here, you know. Yeah, you know Han Solo is going to say, I have a bad feeling about this at some point. But and... it's just part of his character. And yeah. having the the Millennium Falcon show up as well, like obviously he would probably lose it because, you know, he negotiates pretty badly with other people. So, of course, he's going to lose it. What do you mean? He always gets out of it. Uh, did he get out of it this time? Yeah, he did. Yeah, by pure luck. 
Yeah. And then uh, he eventually got stabbed by his son. And the, like that scene, honestly, like still killed me the, it on did. this rewatch. The acting between him and Adam Driver, they get one scene together to establish this like we are a struggling father and son that with an estranged relationship. And they they honestly like it's sad. Pun not intended. Really, murdered it. Yeah, but it's really sad because you could tell like you don't really see Han Solo being that much of a like father figure character to a lot of people i mean sort of with ray but uh, he tried he he, he really you can tell he that was she very looks up to him and her. he really was trying to he didn't want to admit that he liked her yeah he said chewy likes you even when he was talking about bringing yeah he's on. that type of person that's not going to tell you how he feels but like he has those feelings but to be so open with his son i think it's really hard to watch because no now when i was watching it knowing that he was going to kill him like yeah it was even more heartbreaking um, it's just sad that they didn't have Leia and Kylo Ren to- together. You know what I mean? They do have it kind of in the next movie, but I would have liked to see more of a mother like son kind of relationship as well. Well, too. we know what sort of got in the way of that. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Life. <laughs> um, um, was there anything you didn't like about this movie? Otherwise, I think we've touched on a couple of things already. Um, I think I think what I don't like about this movie that it sets up such interesting questions and interesting plot lines and it just gets kind of pooped on. Well, it's not even just, it's just that the next two it's movies so, are basically arguments about what the answers are to them versus it's, it's actually basically you're watching being two answers. different movies. Basically. Yeah. So uh, you watch two, you almost get two separate sequels to this movie. But it's such a good beginning. And I think it resonated with a lot of people. Like you, you it resonates with the old fans and, you know, the, the few fans of the prequels. <laughs> yeah. There were, there were a couple parts that I didn't like. There were a couple things that were just struck me as really corny. Uh, like, like Finn just screaming, like, that's one hell of a pilot because you see Poe blowing up, like, TIE fighters in the background, like, just But felt... it's because of something. He's what? Can you, can you just talk in the podcast? Yes, that's what he wanted to tell Ray on uh, <laughs> as he was sinking under the sand in Rise of Skywalker. He's force sensitive. He could tell now, when just, his boyfriend's around. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. And then like, uh, you know, like post like as long as there's light, we've got a chance. Was just like, come on, man. Like he's supposed to be like that. He's I that don't kind know. of like. I would like, literally he... crash my X-wing if somebody yelled out to me. As long as there's light, we've got a chance. Well, he's. He's right, though. As long as that sun's still there, they still have a chance. Uh, it was Shut so up. corny. I I'm sorry. Po. It just was. You hate Poe. Um, and I love Oscar Isaac. And for everyone that says that they're like, oh, no, they never set up, like, they never set up um, Finn and Rey to be a thing or whatever. They clearly This have... movie definitely has an idea that they're going to kind of maybe be a thing in mind. Well, they work together so well. And, like, you could obviously tell that, like, Finn has such a big crush Finn on Finn literally Rey. asked if she has a boyfriend at one point. But, like, it's so funny how Rey is just kind of like, whatever, dude. Like, I'm not going to, like, you're my friend and that's it. Like, she doesn't even care. She's like, I need to go save the galaxy. There's a little bit of mutual chemistry there. I, I mean, think, they work the well they together. I think... I think yeah. they really play well together. And this is basically the only movie you see them together. Yeah, this is like their this is their Luke and Leia movie. But they work well. Are you denying they, their chemistry? Weird, they, that's what that's what Abrams was doing. He was setting up these two characters that were not going to end up together and ultimately just be friendly, um, but give them confusing sexual chemistry in the first movie. Okay, what did you think of the sexual chemistry between Ray and Kylo Ren? 
Uh, I definitely like it was it was a, it was strange. They kind of did set up where they ultimately end up together a little bit more than I remembered in this movie. Yeah, There's knowing this knowing weird, that I know like, now, yeah, it's very to their weird. scenes. Even with the mask on, I could feel it. Yeah, you cut it with a knife. Yeah, or a lightsaber. It was it was strange. <laughs> I'm not really sure if I liked it. Um, oh, well. It gets, it's going to get even stranger. It's going to get even stranger in the next movie. So. But so overall, I think I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a good introduction if you want to have your kids, like, into the Star Wars world. I think this is... Yeah, and then when they're like, okay, but who's Luke Skywalker? Then you show them the original trilogy and no other movies. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> because invariably, one of the next two movies will disappoint them. I do have one thing to say about the ending where Rey finally finds Luke Skywalker and... It's very funny to know that Luke, uh, Mark Hamill probably got a hefty paycheck for maybe one day of work. <laughs> no, he shows up in one other scene where he touches R2-D2, although oh, that it. was maybe a body double. Yeah, but it's so funny because it's like, listen, Luke, we know you're Force-sensitive. We know your ass heard the Millennium Falcon being landed on this island. You knew they were coming, but you just had to turn around and do the dramatic ass little, like, you know, he with his He was meditating hood. like a Jedi. <laughs> he knew they were there. Probably. And it's funny because, like, you think it's such a dramatic scene. And it's like she's reaching out with a lightsaber and he's looking at her. And then it ends there. But then we go to the next movie. And, and see, we'll, we'll pick we'll, it up. We'll see it there. Anyways, speaking of that next movie, we're going to be watching The Last Jedi. Where would you where would you rank this among the core Star Wars entries so far? So Rogue One's always going to be my number one. Uh, no, no, no. Like the, the, oh, the core the, ones? Yeah, the, the saga. I would say... Not the anthologies. Empire Strikes Back is my number one. Okay. A New Hope. I think you have to give A New Hope sort of above Force Awakens. A boost Awakens, for starting it all. Basically. And then I think The Force Awakens at the bottom. No, at, at, after at, after at A New third. Hope. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I think that's I think ranking. out of the ones that we've watched so far, because I, I need to rewatch Last Jedi again before I really give that a ranking. Same. I, I, think I have a new appreciation for it, and I want to watch it again. I think that's pretty fair. Um, but we are going to go watch that next. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Rewind and Reconsider if you enjoyed this. Um, and yeah, we will be coming back with The, the Last Jedi. The most controversial... Star Wars movie before of all time. before Rise of Skywalker came out. Oh, that's you true. You bet your yeah. ass. We're that only lasted one movie. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go watch the Last Jedi. No, right wait. No, we're not. No, we're, we're gonna not. go do another podcast intro and then watch the Last Jedi. Okay. What do you want to say to our fans? May the Force be with you. You already said that last. You're supposed time. to say always. And also with you. And also with you. <laughs> Bye.